Don't worry, I have a plan. I saw this in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed over 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. First, I hooked this common VCR into the security camera system like so. Then I insert this old videotape of us working on a continuous loop. Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at ContrarianPrime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash ContrarianPrime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O V N I O. Now, time for the podcast. And we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for Speed. Happy New Year, and welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend Julio. Julio, uh, we've just sat through a two hours of pulse-pounding action. Uh, if I read correctly, uh, the American Film Institution nom- or voted this being the 99th out of 100 most heart-pounding films of all time. So is your heart pounding? Uh, with relief that it's over. <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about starting the year with uh with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Academy and, Award winner Sandra Bullock. And not Academy Award winner Keanu Reeves. No. Academy Award winner Dennis Hopper. Um and of course Academy Award winner uh Joe Morton on the case here. Uh this is part two of our one two Keanu Reeves combination of when you don't really have anything to pass the time, you go to Keanu, and that's exactly what we've done here. It, it's a it's a buffet of uh, different offerings. It's like going to Golden Corral. <laughs> it's true. There's... Some of it might make you sick. Some of it might be a good time. Uh, some of it might be questionable. Then, but and you, some you, of it might be mind blowing. You knew what you were getting into in a way. You, All you along, can, you are to blame and nobody else. So, Speed, the ninety three percent Titan from nineteen ninety four. That, for all intents and purposes, I mean Point Break it did a lot as did Bill and Ted, but this really solidified Keanu as the uh, action star. You know, I've never seen Point Break. It's fun. There's I'm, a remake. I'm aware there's a remake. Uh, the original, my friend Brody, that's like his favorite movie of all time. He lives and dies by it. Uh, so being that it's 93%, before we just jump right into this, the jump into the uh, elevator shaft that we start the movie off with. Before we hit 50 miles per hour and then we and just can't go back. keep it there. The bus that can't slow down. Uh, 93% means a shit ton of people enjoyed it. A lot. <laughs> there are only two negative quotes on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which means that for real talk, I had to go back to the trusty letterbox to pull <laughs> something negative. But we'll get there in Just the second half of the show. Chaz 
All his review was one star, America. <laughs> I don't get it. They don't have funny hairdos. Um, all right. So Michael DeQuina from TheMovieReport.com says, An accelerating thrill machine that goes from zero to 50 in the opening minutes and never lets up. Yes, that's the plot. <laughs> Michael, you need to go next level. Bill Chambers, Film Freak Central. In each sequence is packed the sum thrills of a Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal starter combined. Okay. So who's who? Is Sandy Seagal or, or Van Damme? Oh, I was assuming Dennis Hopper was Seagal. Oh. <laughs> not, Sandy... not getting up for much of the movie. And Sandy's just the woman getting beaten up by one of them? Yeah, the the stripper that jumps out of the cake and uh, fuck, what's the movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal? What? <laughs> My joke has died. Continue. <laughs> All right. Gene Siskel from Chicago Tribune. Just when under you... siege. <laughs> Gene Siskel from Chicago Tribune. The movie was under siege. <laughs> uh, just when you think speed is over, it takes you on a new high. And finally, Rene Schoenfeld from Common Sense Media says, Explosive bus ride for mature action lovers. Made it sound like a porno. Yeah, that, that's a that's like something that you put on the box, and while well, it's like wrapped in black cellophane, so you can't see the cover. The bus was his penis. <laughs> no shit. Uh, the bus, the penis. Jack Ta- Traven, Traven, Tavern, Traven, Travon, Travon. Keanu Reeves, of course, the star. We have a rather artistic uh, opening credits for an action movie. A bit overreaching, in my opinion, where. We go down this elevator shaft that... For 10 fucking minutes? It's the fucking ship at the beginning of Spaceballs. It just keeps going and going and going, and we're getting our introductory credits. Is this... Uh, I know this is more real talk than, than Contrarian's Corner, but is this his directorial debut, Jean Dubon? I know he was the director of photography. You know, that's how he started, but... Is this... Yes, this is his directorial debut. Okay, so you can see this is just some filmmaker bullshit where he's like i'm gonna put didn't you get in this the... out of the way in college <laughs> right it's like this is just you're gonna feel like you're in one of those elevators that takes forever to go down because everybody pushed every button the matter at hand is... by the way we're in contrarian's corner where we argue against i'm sorry <laughs> I, I went to 50 miles per hour right this away is like, the bomb right is on <laughs> Yes, the, if you've never listened to the Contrarians before, we always start off with our first half of the podcast, Contrarians Corner, in which we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine, uh, being that Speed is a 93% movie, a shiny red tomato. We, we'll make a case for why it could be a green splotch. Rotten, uh, to the core. That being said, if you want to know how we really feel about the movie, you'll get to that in the second half of the podcast, known as Real Talk. Again, I apologize. If this was the bus, we would have blown up. We slowed down. <laughs> We're the first bus. <laughs> the... Uh, Opening, the title credits and the entire purpose of the title credits, the matter at hand is that our bad guy, Howard Payne, played by Dennis Hopper, who uh, obviously he's been a bad guy. I've seen Blue Velvet, but this was like his first like uh, really hammy, over-the-top action bad guy performance. I don't know that that's Wait, what differentiated from Blue Velvet. Was this before or after Super Mario Brothers? Uh... No, Mario Brothers is like early. Oh, this is early nineties too. Fuck, I don't know. But I want to say, well, so he he has achieved the. uh... I mean, Blue Velvet, and I haven't seen it in a while. But that's some over the top. I mean, isn't he? It's very off putting. He has like the 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 oxygen mask. Oh yeah. 
And he sings. And he uh, refers to himself as daddy, which he does in the beginning of this movie as well. Um, but still, I mean, we haven't seen him be an old man opposite side Keanu Reeves or a a, a, per, a titan of that height. Uh, I mean, Kyle McClanahan. I mean, obviously, he's he's a, a giant of the action world, <laughs> but uh, we haven't seen him opposite Keanu Reeves or anything like that up until this point. Yeah, but it really makes him look old. This is the first time that I've seen Dennis Hopper, even as he tries to be a bad guy, he tries to be evil and, and, and quippy and everything. He just looked frail. He looked old. He, maybe it was the way he was dressed, or maybe it was just that contrast with Keanu, who mm-hmm. looks at his manliest here. <laughs> the, the muscles are bulging and the crew cut and just the, the, the action star persona. And Dennis Hopper spends most of the movie, what, in his basement? He's, like, sitting down eating sandwiches for most of the Watching movie. Watching TV yeah. in black and white. He drinks Coke out of a glass bottle. Yes. He, he's the, the definitive old man. And he is and he is bitter about retirement. He is. He hasn't been able to let go. Uh, and, yes, yeah, Super Mario Brothers was before this, so I spoke too soon. So Dennis Hopper had already reached his most over-the-topness. He had lost his mind by now. <laughs> Not only in this movie. He was Kevin Spacey in 2018. He was just (laughs) a PR nightmare. The definitive of too soon. Uh, So Dennis Hopper, a bad guy, Howard Payne, uh, separates an elevator from the cables. He basically figures out a way to have it suspended on the emergency brakes. He's he's an expert in bombing. He's an expert in dynamite, expert in explosives. He knows what he's doing. Um, He is a domestic terrorist that the LAPD is uh, aware of. So they're quick to report to the scene. Our three main cops, uh, Joe Morton, who plays Lieutenant McMahon, uh, Dyson from Terminator 2. We have Harry Temple, played by Jeff Daniels, who plays Harry Dunn in Dumb and Dumber, which was released that same year. No relation, he says. No relation. And then our star, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Keanu Reeves, the lead, Jack Traven. Um, Jack and Harry are, uh, you know, the. No, I wouldn't say Batman and Robin. I would say more of like a who's a, a Superman and crypto. Um, shit. What's an example that I would think of? Well, I lost it. Anyway, <laughs> they're partners in crime. Captain America and Tony Stark yes. constantly bickering, bickering, but you know, all for the greater good. Um, Here's the problem, though. Jeff Daniels is not an action star. He at all. He seems so out of place. Well, he is so out of place that John Devant, twenty minutes into the movie, realized that well, we can't keep this up. So let's let's just stick him in a desk job because he can't keep up with the with the stunts. He literally can't keep up. That's why he's at the desk job because remember they go out partying and he's too hungover to do anything the next day. Uh, to get to that point, what happens is Harry and Jack save all of these. Um, Hostages in this elevator, they're able to rig it up with a construction site so that it gets suspended just temporarily enough uh, from a very thick wire. Because uh, Hopper's trying to get $3 million, blows it, his charges uh, go off successfully, but they basically outsmarted him. So they get all the hostages out. They're wondering where the fuck this is coming from. The, again, they know who this guy is, and Keanu's putting the pieces together. He's like, no, he was watching us do this. He's here somewhere. So they find him in the freight elevator, and uh, it's like whack-a-mole. They get on top of the freight elevator, and Dennis Hopper's just haphazardly shooting upward with a shotgun. Well, for for uh, for Hopper, it's like Duck Hunt, and for them, it's whack-a-mole. Because they can yes. see the holes, but, but he's from below. Yes. 
And and there is where Jeff Daniels proves that he is not cut out for this action hero business. No. He just he just falls into a hole without like, a struggle. He just like a noob. He's just like one of those people I've never played Super Mario and they do the jump like for ten steps behind. <laughs> just like plummet down into the abyss. Uh and then Hopper, uh Payne tries to off Traven like uh Emilio Estevez in the first mission impossible. He's gonna he sets the elevator to go up as fast as possible. And Draven jumps in. We have this big showdown. Um, Dennis Hopper pulls Jeff Daniels hostage. He's got the gun to his head. And I think this is the first line of the movie where uh, Howard Payne's bad guy catch line is pop quiz hot shot. But he's he's repeating what Jeff Daniels said. He's Yeah, he's mocking. He's taking something that Jeff Daniels and uh, Traven were talking about and uh, basically turning like him against him. Transforming it, perverting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this movie did with Jeff Daniels. You take a character actor and then you make a mockery out of him. But <laughs> when 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 Hopper picks him up, he grabs him by the nostrils. Yeah. This is so humiliating. So demeaning. Jeff Daniels is like, man, I was in Purple Rose of Cairo. <laughs> I don't need to put up with this shit. He's just being emasculated in front of our very eyes. Uh, he asks him, you know, what do you do in this situation? He said, you shoot the hostage. And so he shoots Jeff Daniels in the leg. And then Dennis Hopper's like, what the fuck? What do I do now? And he retreats, you know, exit stage left. And he, uh, I guess his calling card is obviously explosives because he just blows the hole from which he goes out. But they think, don't they think he blows himself up? Right. Yeah. They're so stupid, the entire police force here, because it's a very tense moment, right? You... It's just the the big confrontation between Keanu Reeves and Dennis Hopper with uh, Daniels cut in the middle. And then Keanu Reeves shoots Daniels in the leg and Daniels falls to the ground. And the whole thing, which is so charged with tension, right, suddenly becomes a comedy for like 10 seconds where Daniels goes like, you fucker. (laughs) And then cut to Keanu Reeves, who does the shrug. (laughs) He shrugs and smiles. Stops pointing his gun at Dennis Hopper. And then Dennis Hopper, yeah, and then while you're still stuck in that tone, he exits and you think the dumb old man tripped and blew himself up. <laughs> and if this was like a, a comedy short film, roll the credits. Right. All right. That was that was nice. Good job, John. Next time, cut off the 10 minutes of uh, elevator credits and <laughs> maybe you'll get an A. So they think they've thwarted the bad guy. They have saved the hostages, despite one Nancy Nelly that wouldn't leave the elevator. And Keanu basically has to pull her out using the Matrix. This movie is not kind to mature older women. Because you have that that woman in hysterics in the elevator, and then later you have a woman in hysterics in the bus. Uh, I have the actress's name written down here somewhere. The second one. Beth Grant, yes. Beth Grant, who's made a career out of uh, being being hysterical. Yeah. (laughs) I mainly remember her from No Country for Old Men and Malcolm in the Middle, and this. She's just always a bitch. Uh, we'll get we'll get those to... residuals though. Oh no, joke! And Speed. I mean, how many times do people watch Speed every year? She was in a picture that won the Oscar for Best Picture. So God bless her. More power to her. Uh, we'll that get... picture was not Speed. <laughs> Unfortunately, it did win two Oscars though. Uh, we'll get to Beth in a bit. So. The party's on. The LAPD thinks they've thwarted the evil Howard Payne. And they don't really, to my knowledge, do any search for his body or anything. No, they're they're too busy pinning medals on on Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels. They're literally the police force from The Simpsons. Uh, 
you know, the the propane, the gas is all leaking in the background. They light their cigars and throw the match behind them type of thing. Uh, Chief Wickham is like, let's go to most. <laughs> so they think everything's done. They go out and get fucking loaded and then come to work the next day. Um, Keanu starts the day off. Uh, I, I didn't catch where he was, but he's talking to a bus driver. Was it like a gas station or something? Uh, no, it looked like a... I thought it was like a not a diner, but he was getting food. I thought that was it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, because the he bus looked... driver's checking out also. Right. Is the bus driver the the cop from Ace Ventura from the first one? Yes. He is? Yeah. That's what distracted me. After that, I was just one track mind. Yeah. Where do I know that guy from? There are a lot of... It's the proverbial who's that of 90s actors. So... um they all compare. They're sitting at the bus and they're comparing projects. Yeah, I'm in this like Forrest Gump movie. <laughs> I'm supposed to stand in and just wear like this blue mask over my head. And they said I'm playing LBJ. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, so the bus driver leaves. Keanu's getting breakfast. Point of the fucking story is this bus driver goes off. The bus takes off. It's roughly 8 a.m. in the morning. It's also roughly an hour into the movie. Because that, that <laughs> prologue with the elevator took forever. We were in that elevator shaft for quite a while. Bus takes off, makes it about a half block down, blows up. And I mean, I'm, when I say blow up, we're, we're talking, you know, scorched earth type shit. And then Keanu runs up to it thinking there's going to be survivors. Bless his heart. He it's a hole in the ground smoldering crater. And he I, runs up and he looks in the where the driver's side window would be. And then he does the, oh, God. <laughs> it's so lame because... By now, you don't need the save the cat moment. You don't need to show us that Keanu is a good man, a dedicated cop, or anything. We already saw his all his stunts uh, during the the elevator fiasco. So you don't really need to make him look like a complete idiot running mm -hmm. into the flames to, to save the corpses charring inside the bus. Uh, you just need him to react like a capable cop and just call for reinforcements. Which he doesn't. Right. And uh, expertly timed, the payphone closest to the explosion site begins ringing, and he goes to pick it up, and it is our bad guy, Howard Payne. He is back at it, and he explains to Traven that that bus is just a message. I want $3.7 million. There's another bus out there, the 2525, um, that's armed. Once it reaches 50 miles an hour, if it drops below that, it's going to blow up. You have until 11 a.m., to get me my money. And again, I mean, Jesus. Who the fuck operates at these hours, man? I don't know, but it's not... I mean, once you stop for a moment, which, of course, the movie doesn't want you to, but if you stop to think about it, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, because it's not like he has a whole army of buses with bombs everywhere. He mm -hmm. just... He put all his eggs in that one basket. Mm -hmm. And... As what happens, you know, shows you, it's but just basically a miracle that 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 bus didn't blow up right away. Yeah, Keanu gets to it like in the nick of time. So what would have, what would Hopper have done if the bus had blown up before Keanu Reeves had even gotten there? It was like, oh well, I guess I have to start planning for next year. <laughs> just cuts to Dennis Hopper in that fucking like. Uh abandoned hotel room he's in. He just takes out a rocket launcher and just points at the street. Well, Plan B. <laughs> Uh, so we cut to the 2525 and it's taking off from wherever the domestic stop it's at is and, um, future Academy Award winner in America's sweetheart, Sandra Bullock comes running up saying, stop, stop, stop. She misses the bus, but she makes it on just in time. 
Oh, poor girl. Little did she know the day she was in for. She is, I mean, she's Sandra Bullock, right? She's early years Sandra Bullock uh, before the awards, before the the prestige. and Before the net. Before the net. But And I don't put this on her. I don't blame her for this. I blame the studio. I blame the PR machine. This movie, one of its main functions is to sell the hell out of Sandra Bullock. They just want you to choke on that cuteness. It's every 30 seconds, there's a close-up of her just looking delightfully cute, uh, making eyes to Keanu Reeves. Smiling when there really shouldn't be anything to smile about, and you and you buy it. Even even, I can tell you this is a bad movie, with just I wouldn't say a good Sandra Bullock performance, but just like a very charming, a very Sandra Bullock performance by Sandra Bullock. Right, and I after the, when the trick is done, I resent it for it, and I think Sandra Bullock should too because there's more to her than what this movie lets her do. Yeah, there was also the three hundred fifty million dollars this movie made at the box office. That you know, I I don't think she too right. bummed about it. Right, and but, she's also got her little shiny gold Oscar now. That you know, right? But without speed, would she have gotten there? But what did Hollywood do right after that? They they told her, "Oh, you think that you were the one that made that money?" And they stuck her in speed too. And yes. we know how that went. Yes, Hollywood stuck her in that movie. <laughs> Uh, She's like, can I make a movie that's not speed? No, you can't. <laughs> Get on this fucking boat. Uh, where are we here? So the bus is not yet armed, but Keanu is on the prowl. He hits the highway, and despite it being 8.30 a.m. on presumably a weekday morning, the L.A. traffic is exceptionally light. You know, the freeway... It was 1994, man. <laughs> It looks like Wichita Falls during rush hour, I'm telling you. I mean, you may be too young to remember Austin in 1994, but you could just ride your bike down the freeway. It was it was an open landscape. So, they make it onto the freeway and Keanu is chasing them down and man, you want to talk about some peak Keanu performing here. Uh he's American, but god, there are times in this movie and all the other things he's ever done where I can never determine his nationality by what he's yelling and the pronunciation of his words. He's just Keanu. He, that's it. He is a citizen of the earth. That's all we need to know about him. So he's chasing after him, screaming at him. He's, he thinks that he's going to get this bus to pull over and slow down by like screeching up alongside it. And when it doesn't do that, he gets cut off by traffic. So he takes off on foot. And his next plan of attack is this. Oh, yeah. I'll get this bus to stop if I just run up and start pounding on the windshield of it. He breaks a window. Cracks he does. It. And a uh, little bit of real talk. According to trivia, that was like an accident. They just kept it in the film. Like, oh. He didn't cut his hand or anything. But it was like, if you watch his reaction right afterwards, like, oh, shit. Like, he really broke it. Is this coming out of my paycheck? <laughs> I still want some of that $300 million, baby. Um <laughs> So that doesn't work. So, of course, tonally, the right thing to do in 1994 is for the white cop to stop, stop a black man in his car and pull a gun on him and steal his vehicle from him. Ah, the 90s. And then, as if you know, we weren't uh, dancing the line of um, cultural insensitivity enough, of course, the black guy has to have a custom license plate that says Tone Man. He is really the kind of stereotype that people like Ludacris and... Uh... 
you know, Bernie Mac. Before like, he they, blew up, like if this movie was made in 2006, this is the part Kevin Hart would have had in the movie. Right, right. But, but you know, all these black comedians, they fought so hard to to play characters that are not this. Yes. Right? The black guy that comes in just to be funny for like 10 minutes and then they write him out of the movie. Oh, okay. It, I see what you meant. Yeah, I went, I went with exactly what you were saying, not the other side of it. Well, yeah, but, yeah. but that's the thing. Like they would have, like you said before, he blew up, right? Like Kevin Hart, how would he break in? Oh, well, he's playing the funny black guy, right? And then eventually he hits it big and now he's just like, no, he's, he's the black main character who happens to be funny. Mm-hmm. It, and now this guy, I don't know whatever happened to him in his career, like the actor playing the guy whose car gets hijacked by Keanu Reeves, but he's in the movie just to be the funny black guy. Yeah. And they don't even bring him back at the end. And he doesn't even really get any good moments of comedy. I, I feel bad for this dude's story arc. He gets held at gunpoint. He gets his car taken from him. His car crashed. And then he has to be the bearer of bad news. He has to write in a fucking sizzler menu or whatever the fuck he has in his car that there's a bomb on the bus and show it to the bus driver. It's it's kind of one of the many mistakes that the movie makes uh, in its climax is that you never get to see what happened to that guy. Um because well, Keanu asks him, "Is like, do you have insurance, right?" And yeah, and he knocks the door off his car. Right. Yeah, I, I, mean, I have insurance, and I, I I'm not comfortable putting I mean, my car through that. Would it have killed anybody, or like, how much money would it have really cost to have a shot of this guy at the end at like the body shop, watching the TV and seeing Keanu make it out alive and go, "Hell yeah, man!" But that's what good movies do. There's yeah. there's the good example, at least the better example of this kind of trope is the one that at least brings that character around for for just a final goodbye mm-hmm. to, to acknowledge that he was part of the cast, not yeah. just like this beat in the screenplay that needed to get through. So Keanu has uh, this gentleman pull up next to the bus. Uh, the bus driver now knows there is a bomb on said bus. He knows not to slow down beyond uh, slow below fifty. Excuse me. Keanu's able to board the bus and is basically now just in damage control trying to figure out what to do. So immediately, we're introduced to the cast of characters on the bus. We get kind of a round table. Uh, Cameron, the best friend from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, is on there. It's like when you can't get Ferris Bueller, you get Cameron. What's the movie? Uh, We didn't watch it for the podcast, but uh, Manchester by the Sea with uh, Matthew Broderick's unnecessary cameo <laughs> can you imagine if alan ruck had been there <laughs> i mean like what the fuck camera from ferris bueller uh instead you were like what the fuck ferris bueller much like with la it's it's a multicultural universe it's a cornucopia of different ethnicities on the bus but of course it, it falls uh prey to that other stereotype one that's very current now which is the the hispanic criminal yeah, Keanu gets on the bus, and with no provocation or explanation, a Hispanic gentleman pours, uh, pulls excuse me, a gun on him, I guess assuming that the white man is there to arrest him. Uh, now, I would very much understand the Hispanic gentleman's point of view, but back then, I think he was just a bit trigger-happy. Uh, but we do get uh, Keanu's monologue. No hablo español. <laughs> Uh, or Keanu and just, you know, I don't know if any actor that could have delivered it differently, the Keanu, I'm not a cop right now. We're just two cool dudes. We're just like Columbo. <laughs> and what does Fonzie say? <laughs> um, then one of the other passengers on the bus tries to tackle the gentleman with the gun. The gun goes off, shoots the bus driver. This movie is just one of course after the other. 
it is it's a pitch meeting that's right around the time that that, that happened i was like this this movie is just a high concept that went to a pitch meeting and that's as far as we got this movie is the death rattle of cocaine in Hollywood because it is just like you could tell people wrote this over about 12 hours of just doing blow and saying, oh, yeah. And then the bus driver gets shot. What about this? Hear me out. And then he punctures the gas tank. Oh, God. Just just follow me. There is a gap in the highway. And Sandra Bullock doesn't know what to do. Oh, oh but but but. She lost her license for speeding. <laughs> and then someone does the <laughs> brain thing. Um, where are we here? I just have on my notes and quotations, I'm not a cop. Uh, so, bus driver gets shot. Bus driver needs to be taken aside. Kiana starts working damage control on that. Uh, Sandra Bullock. We haven't even gone over her character's name. Annie. Annie Porter. Annie takes over the wheel of the bus. And uh, Keanu, he says... He words it in just like you know, really strict um, clinical fashion. Of are you, are you equipped to drive this vehicle, ma'am? Ma'am, yeah. He calls her ma'am up until almost his dying breath in the film. Uh, she's behind the wheel now. They're going fifty miles an hour. Traffic's heavy. They have to cut off. They're on civilian roads at this point, or uh, city streets, excuse me. And uh. We can't recover from one Keanu moment to the next because we hit these inner city streets and Sandra Bullock gets distracted for whatever reason and then fucking just point blank runs into a uh, stroller. And she thinks that at this point she's killed a baby and we do get uh, a slow motion shot of the stroller flying into the air. This is where the movie just admits that it has no real balls, that it's all it's all flash and smoke and mirrors. But really, when it comes to it, it's rated R. They could have actually killed a baby in that scene, and they chose not to. Instead, it's just full of cans. Correct. A Serbian film, this is not. But at the same time, it kills our disbelief. This is another thing. Like, the gentleman who got his car stolen, in the end, we could have circled back to seeing him, you know, hell yeah, man. We could have circled back to this crazy homeless woman picking her cans up. Next Finally, to she's putting the last can back on the cart, and then Keanu, like, runs it over again. <laughs> exactly, but it, we immediately the illusion's killed. We we could have gone the next hour and a half thinking that Sandra Bullock had in fact run over an infant. Can you imagine like the, the way that that puts on the movie? There's one of the things that bothers me the most is that throughout the entire time that they're in the in the bus, even though they could die at any minute, they are constantly stopping to flirt. Keanu Reeves and, and Sandra Bullock, even if, when he's still calling her ma'am, they, they have these smiles and these asides, and she's like, so what do you do? And what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? It, if if they had actually run over a baby, none of that. that. that That's where it ends. You're just driving that bus in silence, and the only time that you open your mouth is when you have a solution to the problem. That's The movie ends, and it, that's, that's where they end. It ends like Manchester by the Sea. Keanu tells her, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> the, the last shot of the movie, it, it, the, the final five minutes is they run over the baby, and then they're, <laughs> then they're inside. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, so they run over the baby, mm-hmm. and then it's just like these shots of them driving in silence, and then the last shot of the movie is the 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 fuel meter just <laughs> running on empty. Beep. 
<laughs> it's the end of the world by REM starts playing. Uh, again, it's only cans, and this is where we get yet again another Keanu moment of cans. It was only cans. So Sandra, Annie, her faith in uh, herself is redeemed. Back at the office, a very hungover Harry uh, is looking into the explosives, what they retrieve from the side of the elevator. He gets a hinkling right away that a cop is doing this, or a former cop. And he says he wants the records of LAPD because he thinks this is someone who has inside knowledge. Um, I didn't take note of it, but you did, Julio, that one of the extras during the scene is a female police officer that's assisting Jeff Daniels. She, she knew this was her one shot. She she already got into a fight with the casting director. She knew that she was never gonna be casting anything again, so she had to make the most out of this. And she overacts every line she gives, and badly. Not not in a fun overacting way like Nicolas Cage or Travolta on on their good days. This is just her. Just not. I don't understand why in a professional movie you you would keep this performance, but. It holds to my theory that the only thing that this movie hates more than, than older women is Jeff Daniels. <laughs> they're not done humiliating him. Now they're going to stick him with you know, the, the actors that could barely cut the mustard. I think that they were thinking, this is going to end up in the cutting floor anyway. He's, he's teaching acting class. Let's put him out there. <laughs> there you go. It's, a, it's an improv workshop. Um, I have in my notes here Sandra and Keanu chemistry, but you had already picked up on that, Julio. Uh, there's definitely some flirtatious eyes and uh so keep it in your pants eyelash batting there despite the fact that you know we're le- we're legitimate just you know inches away from death at this oh, point. i mean the bus driver got shot he's dying behind you uh there's a decoy bomb and then there's the better bomb which is uh the whole thing that tipped off jeff daniels that this could be a cop is one of the bombs is wired to like a fucking pension watch or a retirement watch or some shit like that which goes back to the beginning in that dennis hopper's basically been eavesdropping on their conversations poor dennis hopper he just doesn't have anybody literally like all, most of his scenes here is just him eating sandwiches drinking coke from a glass bottle watching by football by himself two tvs yeah, he's got his whole setup and wherever he's fucking posted up at. Uh, he gets on the phone with Keanu, and Keanu's explaining to him, hey, th- we had something go wrong on here. Uh, at an offer of good faith, we n- you need to let the bus driver off. Uh, you know, it'll help the us get the money together faster. He, he gives him some bullshit lie. Um, Dennis Hopper, Howard Payne, shows some sympathy here and allows the bus driver to get courted off, so... We have a big flatbed truck with the LAPD, um, Lieutenant McMahon on the at the helm, pull up running parallel to the bus, so they're going to get the bus driver off, and they do. Uh, Beth Grant, the resident bitch of the film, who's been complaining the entire time about, you know, what do we do? What do I do? She, she only cares about herself. Why did it have to be on my bus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the one being inconvenienced. Yeah. Not the guy that got shot. No, it, yeah, it fucked up her day. Yeah. So she tries to go I think and she get... lives in Bee Cave. <laughs> it's a very safe bet. She uh she wants off. So she goes to try to get off the bus and because there are live news choppers swarming around. This is before the days of GPS. This is before the days of nanny cams, ladies and gentlemen. There is a hopper cam though. The... <laughs> that could take on a different meaning. <laughs> um the overhead, the chopper cam from the local news station. Uh, Howard Payne is watching this. He sees this 
middle-aged woman trying to get off. So he blows the charge that is underneath the um, steps. Yeah. yeah, the steps to the bus. And blows the floor out from under her. That doesn't kill her, but the bus running over her does. Because she falls under the bus and gets run over. She gets killed twice, in a way. She does. And... Fairly brutal, and I'm getting the impression that Beth Grant is as difficult to work with as her performances <laughs> convey, so they made a point to spend uh, a decent amount of money on her demise. But, you know, I get the feeling also that I'm not supposed to cheer at this moment, so it's kind of a failure of the filmmaking that, oh, yeah. that instead of feeling concerned by what happened, I'm just fist pumping. <laughs> Fuck yeah, let's move on. Especially because right get after... Get her pain. <laughs> uh, they... I mean, I think this is the, the maybe there were five minutes where people are actually gloomy in the bus. Mm-hmm. Following this death, Sundar Bullock tears up. Uh, Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller puts his head on his on his hands and mm-hmm. kind of looks shocked. Uh, tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton starts playing, and then uh, Keanu starts uh, starts singing uh, "Tiny Dancer" from Elton John. <laughs> One by and one. it brings the bus back together. Yeah, everybody's they all join in. They join in. Um, we don't have much time to mourn the death of Beth Grant, though. She did die in vain, as <laughs> <laughs> we immediately learn that there's a gap in the freeway because, of course, there's another situation at hand. So they don't know what to do. This movie is just like. Five minutes away from aliens showing up and abducting the bus. <laughs> Again, it was it had to have been written on coke. The, and then she dies. And then everyone's sad in the room and just... <laughs> All right. So, there's a gap in the freeway. So, Keanu just says, fuck it. Let's floor it. <laughs> That's literally his answer to the problem. He says, let's floor it. And they take off. There's this 50-foot gap in the freeway, which by no logistical or scientific standards. All right. You know what this made me think of? Um, road trip. You've seen road trip. I thought you were gonna say Happy Days when Fonzie jumps over the jumps the shark. Well, I was thinking, there's man, he did the jump twice because he jumps a shark in one episode. But there's another episode where he uh, goes on his motorcycle and jumps over I don't know twelve cars or something. We well, you know jumps the shark. You know. That oh yeah, spawned, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. he, they started it. Yeah, that that spawned the phrase "jump the shark." This movie jumps the, the shark with a bus. This movie jumped the shark way before this moment, I should say. So, in road trip. Which you have seen, correct? Tom Green. Yes. Sean William Scott. Well, Tom Green is by no means the star, but he has a part in it. But it was the big selling point. I remember he was front he and was center hot of the movie and, and, yeah, yeah, complete sidebar. But uh, I love that movie, and that's probably the best use anyone ever got out of him because he's only in about 10 minutes of the movie total. But like in those parts, he's like Tom Green to 10,000, but it works for very short spurts of time. It's a little bit of real talk. Uh, has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. But in Road Trip, there's a scene where the four college students have to jump a uh, creek, like the bridge is out. And one of the characters, one of the intellectual characters, smart characters, breaks down the incline and like the angle of it and like the acceleration needed for it and all that. And I was thinking about that when it came to this scene because... Because Keanu didn't do that. No. And also, by no scientific metric could this be accomplished. So it's on an incline... And then the gap happens, and then the landing is on a higher incline. And it's a bus, like a two-ton bus that's fucking 
taken off and they only hit like 60 miles an hour you know what's but what they somehow that, soar through the air I, but there's okay if, you, if you're committed to this right you're gonna you're gonna make this happen because it's gonna be a hell of a stunt and this is the kind of movie you're making well you could make things more interesting right you could one make it to where keanu doesn't even believe they're gonna do it right the last thing that happens before they take off is he just jumps over Sandra Bullock and gropes her, mm-hmm. right? Like, he thought they were going to die. To be fair, he doesn't actually grope her. we got to be careful using those words in 2018. But in 1994, <laughs> it was very romantic. Those words meant different things. It meant that Baby, were, it was cold outside. They were going to go on a date at the end of the movie. So you True. could tell. There was chemistry. Uh, but they... And then, can you imagine if you realize that halfway through that movie, he was ready to die? And and then he seems surprised and maybe even disappointed when they make the jump. <laughs> or you make him more ruthless. And he's like, the only way we can make this jump is if we, we lose some weight. So he starts throwing people out of the bus so they can like make the jump. Just make the movie more interesting. Don't give me this bullshit idea without any follow-up. I mean, if any of our listeners out there have driven a bus at any point, I'm fairly sure from my experience of riding the bus that you've the, never gone past 50 miles well that and also the majority of the weights in the back so like as far as the actual engine and oh i thought machinery, you meant that the people keep going to the back to sit, yeah, that's all the fat fucks sit in the back <laughs> um, that's where people get hand jobs that's what's going <laughs> jesus, on jesus i wish i sit in the back um no, so even then, it would be like they jump it, and then the fucking shit turns perpendicular <laughs> to the freeway and falls. So, I don't know. Keanu was on some magic shit here. Then again, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for the fucking blind side, so if anyone can work magic, it's her. Um, Lifetime achievement. It started here. No. Real talker can transcorner. I will not back down. <laughs> After Gravity, I was okay. I was like, all right, she deserved an Oscar for that, so I can live with it. Um, but they make it, and then immediately Keanu's like, "Get off here!" And they go into the airport, and this is the first bit of logic that makes any sense in this movie. Uh, because you've been to an airport, I've been to an a- airport. Um, now as far as LAX goes, it may be a m- bit more difficult to shut down than the AUS airport here in Austin. But you have these long stretches of runways, so the bus can basically circle until they figure out a good fucking plan. They had. $20,000 left to hire a screenwriter, a real screenwriter, for an hour. <laughs> and that's that was his contribution. He read the script, and it's like, this is the best I can do, guys. Airport. And going into the uh, LAX runway, they do run over, of course, one of the tire strips. So they have one flat. It looks like the passenger side in the back. Uh, flat tire hopping behind him. Jack gets on the horn with uh, Payne, says, hey, got to figure out what the fuck's going on. You got to let me off here. So he gets off. He steps onto a plank that's outside of one of the SUVs for the LAPD. He's discussing with them. Meanwhile, Sandra Bullock circling around the LX airport, I guess just swapping stories of extra work with all the passengers on the bus. Um, Keanu is going to be deployed under the bus. Keanu gets on a um, basically the board. If you're any kind of mechanic or ever worked on your car, you slide under the car with. It's kind of when I was a little kid, I used to use it as a skateboard. I mean, usually the car is not in motion, though. Correct. That's why it's a whole new level of danger. So they kind of repel him. It's like a um, a horizontal claw machine almost. They're letting him go, and we're going at speeds of like fucking sixty miles an hour here. He's basically trying to 
be troubleshooted over the phone by Jeff Daniels of how to dismantle this bomb. What happened is the movie remembered that Jeff Daniels was still out there and they needed to give him something to do. <laughs> they remembered shit. We still got 10 minutes of him left on set in his contract. So uh, He's under there. No dice. Can't figure it out. Uh, he slides under because uh, what happens is one of the, they're circling. So one of the pieces of the flat tire, they end up running over and it gets caught in his little uh, wheelie board underneath. So... He's fucked. He's trying to just hold on for dear life. And he ends up with a flathead screwdriver uh, puncturing the gas tank underneath. So, because again, of course. Of course. We don't have enough turmoil yet at this point. They're able, though, with the floorboards pulled up, they pull him back onto the bus. And, you know, tensions are heightened. Yeah, they're... The the little community of the bus, it left a lot to be desired. At, at first, I thought, okay, there's promise, right? Because as you mentioned, uh, it's multicultural. Mm-hmm. You have you have Cameron, which is just the whites, and and you have some Asian people, and then you have the Hispanic criminal, and then you have a couple black dudes, and then some random women. Uh, Ortiz, who's the big burly Hispanic gentleman, right? Uh, he he becomes best buds with Keanu, sort of, and then you have Sandra Bullock at the front, and, and yes, so- when he pulls him up, he's like, "Man, you ain't smart, but you got some big hairy cojones." Keanu goes, that's gross, Ortiz. <laughs> you know, they're on a first-name basis. You know, everybody knows that, that Sandra Bullock is named uh, Annie. It, it's like they take the same bus every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a moment where the movie flirts with the idea of them turning on each other. Just for, for like, the briefest of moments, they they start recriminating, right? Because there's, uh, I think it's Ortiz that says, well, I have a wife. And then some random white dude goes like, oh, so that makes you more important than us? Yeah. And I thought, all right, buckle up. Now we're going to the inner turmoil. It's not going to be about how fast the bus is going. It's about how angry these people are going to get. There's going to be 12 angry men inside a bus. Now that's a high concept. No, sir. Nope. They 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 just shrug it off. Instead, they go and they help Keanu Reeves and then they just forget about how stressed out they were with each other. So back at the LAPD headquarters, Harry and his uh, band of extras uh, figure out the cop, the former police officer, Howard Payne. They get the information needed. Uh, They know they have their suspects, so they go to his home to get them. The whole SWAT team arrives, try to take this motherfucker out. They go inside, and he's one step ahead of the game. And as watching the movie, we knew this because we could tell he was not fucking in a home somewhere. He was in an abandoned office building somewhere in downtown L.A. But they go in, they're looking around, and they see uh, this bomb is armed once they get in. And Jeff Daniels has this kind of last look of, um, what have I done? <laughs> or is it more of a self-reflection? I, I couldn't really tell. Whatever it is, he knows he's about to die. Yeah, he knows that, that his time is up in this movie, and, and he's not coming off particularly heroic or smart or anything. So he hits the deck, gets blown up, and wakes up and says, ha give me my check. <laughs> Jeff Daniels is uh, is Giovanni Rubisi in that thing you do. The movie just tortures him through the entire runtime, and then he doesn't get a reward. Instead, he gets killed. That's true because Giovanni Rubisi is like part of that thing you do, or that um, yeah, that thing you do. Right, he's part of the song when it's a ballad, much like Jeff Daniels is part of saving it when it's an elevator shaft. <laughs> But once it becomes a bus and right. becomes like a, a you know an actual hit on the radio, Rubisi breaks his arm. Jeff Daniels gets blown up. Well, I was gonna he say gets get, hung over, gets shot in the leg. <laughs> yeah, 
man, the parallels here. Deep shit. Um, Harry's blown up. And Jack finds this out by calling Harry's phone. And Payne says, no, he didn't make it. To which Keanu retorts, fuck. This is Oscar clip. The one and only Oscar clip in this movie. Or at least attempt at an Oscar clip. Uh, I would disagree. And I will... Really? There's one coming up? There's an Oscar clip towards the end of the film. Um, Man, if it's Dyson, I'm going to laugh so hard. No, it is not Dyson. Okay. Payne says, you know, they fucked up. He's dead. Don't worry about it. I need my money. Here's my drop point. He tells him, he tells him where to drop the money. It's about 11 a.m. My God, L.A. is a fucking fast town. Uh, Keanu figures out that there's a camera on board because uh, on the phone, Payne makes allusion to Sandra Bullock's sweater. He keeps calling her Wildcat. Yeah, from the university she went to. So he figures out we're being watched. So we're going to figure out a way to loop the tape. So they have... I believe it's a local news crew somehow, you know, wire into the shit. And Keanu just tells everyone to be st still for a little while. So they loop like a minute of footage back to back to back to back to back to back. So while they're doing this, you know, a pain's watching what he thinks is a live feed. Again, this is before the days of GPS and iPhones and Skype and all that horse shit. And so what. And yet, I don't think that we have the technology right now to do that, to pull that, to pull off that stunt where remotely you could hack into the 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 feed from a bus with a new station. Yeah, so band. if this happened now, they'd just be fucked. <laughs> uh, but this temporary lapse in video allows them the opportunity to get everyone off the bus, except for, of course, Annie and Jack. There's another moment where the movie backs off from having balls, and that is when the last person out of the bus is Cameron from Ferris Bueller. And he barely makes it. He barely makes it. Can you imagine if he had died there? Again, give me a somber tone at least for the last 20 minutes, right? You think that you're out, and then he falls, and he just breaks his neck. <laughs> Jesus. The bottom goes out from under him, and he breaks both his legs, gets run over by a car, and then, like, the, the van behind him runs over him again. Just absolutely brutal. Uh, Keanu and Sandra plan their getaway what they're going to do, they have a rope tied to the steering wheel. They put a two-by-four or some sort of mechanism. Um, I think it's a two-by-four, maybe a steel rod. Anyway, something to keep the accelerator punched down. Uh, they're on the floorboard. That's going to drop out from under them. And that they do. They slide away. And the LAPD is arranged at this massive fucking uh, international commercial jet. Uh, gets in the way and intercepts this bus. So we get this massive explosion. Which, by the way to no surprise, was filmed at some way remote landing strip somewhere because if they tried to do that at the actual LAX airport, it probably would have incited massive panic amongst the uh, uh, patrons. You also wouldn't be surprised to find out that uh, there are three major explosions in this movie and the death of Jeff Daniels is the smallest and least Most memorable. insignificant. <laughs> yeah. Uh. To the drop point they go, as Payne is not aware that the bus is blown up. Somehow, the news didn't report that. They've been reporting every Everything. moment of this adventure. and Somehow, they didn't pick up on that. So, he thinks, you know, he comes out of the shower singing, you know, it's a great, big, wonderful tomorrow. He's all jacked up. Scratching and... his ass. Yeah. 
<laughs> he comes out. He's got the the cut six pack and the V like Travolta and Control. Not Control. What's the name of that movie? Basic. Dude, you keep going back to Control. I don't. Yeah, there's something wrong with I. That movie's played a part in my brain. So anyway. Uh, he sees the drop point though, and he sees all the fucking arms on it, all the snipers, all this shit. He knows that the the jig is up. He wises up, as I have in my notes here. So he goes to get the money, but he has his police uniform, so he cloaks himself in that. Shows up. Um, Sandra Bullock is there. Not entirely sure why. He, here's the thing: is there any loose explanation given as to why she's there? Nope. I think you're supposed to pick up on on the insanely off-the-charts chemistry she has with Keanu Reeves. Because when they escape the bus, they're basically tangled. Their bodies are tangled as as they slide They do out everything and, but kiss. Right. They're just like, they end up, they hit some uh, barriers, and and then they're just like, he's lying on top of her. And they just have a chat while they wait for the cops to come pick them up. And, and she says, uh, she utters... The classic line that is later repeated and referenced in Speed 2 about how relationships that are born out of intense situations are... No, are that's doomed. that's at the very end. No, no, no. She says it here. And oh, then, does she? And, and then he repeats it to her at the end. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And then and then she references it to in Speed 2 to explain why she's not with Keanu anymore. Oh, my God. So Dude, she's there. Yeah, she's just hanging out, waiting for him to get off the clock so he can go grab a burger. <laughs> and Dennis Hopper, because he's smart, takes her hostage, straps her with a bomb. He grabs the pile of money. He also, uh, the drop point was a trash can at the corner of some street. And he had, because he's fucking smart, he had the bottom cut out from under it. Into he's the he's Shawshanked grade. it. Yeah, exactly. So the money's on the run. It was 94. Uh, big year for holes. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and Keanu is aware of this, so he jumps down the hole, and he sees a shadowy figure and says, you know, fucking drop it and turn around. And it's Sandra Bullock strapped with a bomb. Here is your Oscar clip. When Dennis Hopper comes around the corner, he's got the trigger in his hand, and he's explaining, you know, I've outsmarted you all, and, you know, this is what happens in this type of situation. So what happens when you fuck with the Hopper. <laughs> He tells Keanu he fucked up by fucking with him. And then the line, the line that would be the Oscar clip is Keanu, you know, says, you're fucking crazy. And Dennis Hopper says, poor people are crazy. I'm just eccentric. <laughs> That's the line for best screenplay. <laughs> well, no, the line for best screenplay would be, uh, fuck. <laughs> so the chase is on. He takes off with Sandra Bullock, or does he leave Sandra with him? No, he takes her because he he handcuffs her to the to the train. Correct. He needs her for collateral, so he takes off there in the subway. He handcuffs her to it. Uh, he shoots the uh, conductor right in front of her, which his plan was not well thought out, as we will find here in just a moment. Uh, Keanu fucking scales it like he's goddamn spider-man on the roof and then again we get the homage to the beginning you know we start right back where uh we end up right back where we started from as this hopper's just looking at the ceiling and just shooting wildly and keanu's fucking you know dodging the bullets like he would five years later in movie theaters and sandra bullock just tossed to the side she's just there panicked not sure what to do whimpering crying 
Uh, Dennis Hopper, with the agility of a 27-year-old, hops to the uh, the roof of the subway car. Oh, he is the hopper. He, he is. Uh, and, you know, your classic scuffle ensues. Doesn't last for too long, though, as Keanu's able to pin down the trigger for the bomb, hold his hand, and he pushes Dennis Hopper's head up as they come across one of the big exit signs in the uh, subway, and it decapitates Dennis Hopper. As soon as he entered, as soon as he leaves. Uh Pretty disappointed that that Keanu didn't have a a good quip to end it. Like later, he says he. Oh yeah, I was about to say. Are, are you kidding me? He does. No, but that's after the fact. Okay. That's that proves that you're not cut out. For, not like a commando let off some steam type. Right. Of, yeah. You you have to give the quip at the right time. You can't have. You can't. If you're giving yourself time Ice to process to see it. You. <laughs> yeah. Say it right away or don't say it because that's just embarrassing. We know that you you took yourself you took a few minutes to think about it. So he took a few minutes. He did because he follows up with uh, Sandra Bullock, and she said, "What happened to Payne? He lost his head." <laughs> and now I'm seeing your point. It's it's so lame now, right? It's, it's it's like he didn't get off the top of the subway until he thought of something <laughs> sharp to say. Right. The way that real heroes do is Hopper gets decapitated, and then Keanu goes. Don't lose your head. <laughs> I did forget to mention too the uh, the high point of this little scuffle between Hopper and Keanu is Hopper goes to dig in his money bag and a big fucking pink ink detonation goes off to ruin all his money. So just for y'all have not seen this, uh, Dennis Hopper is fighting with pink ink all over his face and it's great. It looks like he inadvertently ended up in some party at Mardi Gras, and he was mad that he was there and tried to get out. Once again, the big old man vibes are just strong. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. (laughs) Uh, Payne loses his head, and he's still stuck. For all this movie's been able to accomplish uh, with very little, they can't figure out how to get uh, a subway rail undone. Keanu is the man who who made this this bus jump over a huge fifty feet gap. Yeah, for all the gaps in logic, I mean they stuck true to this. <laughs> They're like, get me an L.A. subway pole. We're gonna test this shit out. <laughs> Are you telling me that if if the alternative was death, they wouldn't have just ripped her hand through the through the Fucking Con Air. Who is in Con Air that gets handcuffed and both their arms get ripped off? Uh, Danny Trejo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even then, that would happen because she wasn't, like, handcuffed like that. No, she was just – her hands were in front of her. It would have, like – I mean, this is a worst-case scenario. It would have, like, skinned her hands. It would have been terrible, but, you know. But she would live. I mean, you've seen uh, 127 Hours. Yes. Right. I, I mean, her circumstances are nowhere near as extreme as Franco's in that movie. No. And Franco chopped his arm off. Yeah. She could have done it. Yeah. She had help. She had Keanu there. He could have. But instead, he gets the wise idea that, oh, there's a turn coming up. We're going to hop the rail. So just guns it to fucking, you know, 178 on the subway. Plan being that they're not going to take the turn to the incomplete track, but instead just hop the rail into, you know, desolate nothing. And um, we get, you know, these extras that, or like, what the hell's going on? Take off running. This is where you should have brought back the the lady with the cans. With the yes, cars. She the should have been in the subway. <laughs> yeah. Counting her cans. Dude, we're not even doing cocaine and we're doing a better script than these guys. And then so they burst and then they go up and shoot through 
um, like an a, an ad on the street in L.A. and they they wind up right in front of the L.A. theater or the Chinese theater in L.A. Excuse me. And so you could have had her counting the cans in the subway, and then you could have when they land on the street. You could have had brother from earlier with his car and like it's getting towed and he's in the tow tow truck and he's like, no fucking way. And sees Keanu in there. (laughs) Tied it all together. That's how you make a movie. And then Dennis Hopper's head rolls by into the subway drain. His son picks it up, holds it. (laughs) (laughs) Angus Hopper. I'll get you, Jason Patrick. I'll get you. (laughs) Uh, and then they land and they kiss and then they exchange the line Keanu I have to tell you you know relationships that start in traumatic circumstances don't work out they kiss and then as I said to Julio we get the ubiquitous 90s trope of a static shot a static a live static shot while the credits roll over it and it's just nothing of interest is happening no. It's just people walking around. And the more disconcerting is like people are just acting. Like, it's like Jason Takes Manhattan where people act like that's what happens every day in New York. No one's freaked out by this. Everyone in L.A. has just got their cameras out. And they're just like, oh, Keanu. I mean, this is before they were huge stars. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- th- nowadays. Keanu, yeah, I think he had Point Break, Bill and Ted, Babes in Toyland, and then Old Sandy, Demolition Man, The Vanishing. She had a couple direct-to-video releases, A Fool and His Money, and Who Shot Patakango? I don't know. Point being... People aren't really concerned with what's going on. And the movie just ends. And then Limp Biscuit plays us out with, yeah, speed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. Fred Durst covered uh, George Michael. Anything is possible when when you talk about Fred Durst's career. So that was speed. As as quick as it began, uh, there was a large in-between part that just kept getting more and more recoculous. And then the only thing that ends, I understand that basically technology wasn't there yet, but the, I think the ideal way to watch a movie like this one, Blu-ray, no, no, no. Netflix where you, you don't have the remote nearby and in five seconds into the credits, it's like, okay, in 15 seconds, the next movie starts. (laughs) So you don't have time to think about any of this, right? You, you just, you're barely processing the first five minutes of nonsense. Or like on TV, where as soon as the credits hit, it gets scrunched to the side, and it's like, coming up next on FX. Yes. Street Fighter. Exactly. Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and you just, you're like, well, I guess that movie was good. Well, that happened. Isn't it? I mean, I like Am them. I hungry? They're attractive people. They kissed at the end. They killed the old bad guy. <laughs> 94%. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, let's do some real talk. Yeah, for real. This movie's awesome. Open your door! Open the door! 50! Stay above 50! All right? 
478,000 asked for Detective Harry Temple. Harry. Harry, it's Jack. You better not be calling in sick because I dragged my ass out of Harry, he's alive. What? The bomber. He's back. He hit one in Venice already. Fire chief said there's nothing left. Temple! We just got a ransom demand from your dead terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? I gotta get on that bus. You gotta get him? Yeah, yeah, you get on the bus. Drive straight! Stay in this lane! Bus the road. What are you doing? Are you insured? Yeah, why? No, no! And we are recording for Real Talk Speed. Real Talk. This is the portion of the podcast where we talk about how we really feel about the movie. Uh, as always, if you haven't listened before, I always like to kick it off with my little quick facts, being that Speed was released on June 10th, 1994. Had a bu- budget, excuse me, of 30 million for a box office return of a bit over 350 million. So kind of lit that shit on fire. Directed by Jan DeBont, who, uh, as was mentioned in the first portion, also directed Twister, Speed 2, The Haunting, and Laura Croft Tomb Raider, but hasn't directed a feature-length film since 2003 was written by uh, Graham Yost, although in a bit of research for this, it appears that uh, Joss Whedon rewrote the script and it went uncredited. I I actually knew that. Uh, Yost was at uh, the Austin Film Festival a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And he told that story about how he kind of had to, he felt that he was constantly trying to shake off the, the ghost of, well, you were written by Joss Whedon, that's why the movie was good. That's why you have the success that you do. Yeah. A few quick trivia bits about it. Keanu Reeves, uh, it was insisted that Keanu Reeves had a sensible haircut. Uh, Director Jan DeBont, like, he needed this for his role. I found this one particularly funny. Uh, He thought it would benefit a hardworking cop. Uh, 20th Century Fox were horrified when they saw the buzz cut and threatened to postpone film to allow his hair to grow back. He looks fine. You need those flowing locks, baby. I guess that's uh, what it is. Uh, Rennie Harlan and Quentin Tarantino were offered the chance to direct the film, but turned it down. Tarantino later named it as one of his 20 favorite films since 1992. I thought you were going to say 20 biggest regrets. (laughs) Uh, Jan DuPont wanted to cast Dennis Hopper because he didn't want a typical bad guy. You know, your Alan Rickman type. Uh, He wanted to paint to seem like a Rick. Fuck him. Alan Rickman is a typical villain now? That was me naming that. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I thought you were directly quoting John DeBond. No, 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 no. Who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. Uh, He just wanted Payne to seem like a regular guy that eventually snapped, which to his credit, I think uh, Dennis Hopper kind of nailed that whole motif. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, AFI had it in their top 100 pulse-pounding or heart-pounding movies. Uh, There was one more in here that I wanted to get in. Jack Nicholson and Robert De Niro both considered for the role of Howard Payne. Jack, you need that money. I can't even imagine how the pop quiz hotshot line would have gone. Pop quiz hotshot. Yeah. Nicholson. No, yeah, De Niro. Pop quiz hotshot. Oh, yeah, here it is. Rosanna Arquette, Joan Cusack, Gina Davis, Melanie Griffith, Jennifer Jason Lee, Brooke Shields, Halle Berry, Madonna... Demi Moore, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Pfeiffer, 
Sharon Stone, Leah Thompson, and Deborah Winger were all considered for the role of Annie. Gina Davis would have been great. Gina Davis would have been great. I mean, she's just more for Canada. Leah Thompson would have been good. Yeah, Leah yeah. Thompson has that that girl next door vibe. I can't imagine how disastrous a Madonna Keanu Reeves movie could have been. Um, she would just fuck him. Yeah, well, like imagine Madonna trying to play a person that rides a bus. <laughs> well, no, I I I think because she I'm a normal person. She has such a strong personality that I can't imagine her playing it. So, uh, Sandra Bullock plays it almost virginal. Right, mm-hmm. she's being very, very like high school girl when she's flirting. Yeah, and Madonna would just like eat Keanu alive. <laughs> she would just look at him and not watch the road, <laughs> just driving the the, the bus. Um, yeah, there's a lot of the trivia here on the IMDb page and different places where I usually do my research. It's it's all a lot of redundancies, but those were the big ones I wanted to hit. Um, and uh, I did enjoy this last one here from the IMDb trivia. A Fox producer realized they might have a hit movie on their hands when he noticed that during test screenings, audience members would walk backwards when they needed to use the bathroom so as not to miss anything. <laughs> it's usually a sign of a good one. And then um, I read elsewhere that the original test screening, they had overgone, they had overgone their budget for the movie. And so... All the subway stuff, they just showed the test audience the storyboards for it because they didn't have enough money to film it because they didn't even know if it was going to get released. And then they loved it so much, they're like, fuck it, we'll give it some more money to release it. So, all that to say, Speed, definitely one of the uh, notable 90s action thrillers. Uh, and at 93%, it's up there. But that's not to say that it doesn't have its detractors. It's very few retractors as far as Rotten Tomatoes is concerned. Like I mentioned earlier, only two uh, rotten quotes. Uh, one from Hal Hinson from the Washington Post, who says, Undeniably, the picture now and again supplies that edge-of-the-seat sensation. Yet, by action-adventure standards, speed is leaden and strangely pokey. It never seems to shift into overdrive and let fly. How? What movie was this How? guy watching? <laughs> Was How he, could you describe this as pokey? Did he watch the storyboards cut? <laughs> he actually, he got the looped tape. <laughs> he just watched that for two hours. Well, it's interesting that that purse seems to disappear every now and then. Uh, yeah, this guy's a buzzkill. It must be all the rage at parties. Yeah. Um, and then Tom Charity from Time Out says, eventually, inevitably, it goes too far, too fast, and ends up off the rails. Oh, I have to comment. I'm just shaking my head. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you got him. And then I, I just hey, that was this. a big bomb. <laughs> Eventually, the hero wins. Um, All I'm going to say, Dennis Hopper dies. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Um, finally, from uh, from Letterboxd, this guy or girl named iCrobot gave it three stars in the heart and said, it's like Speed 2, but on a bus. Jesus. <laughs> How dare they <laughs> retroactively review Speed after Speed 2. Uh, I've never seen Speed 2, but my understanding is it's quite bad. It's it's not good. It's not terrible, obviously. I've seen uh, I've seen much worse movies. but And I think... Is I, it worse than Christmas with the Cranks? No. <laughs> no. I told you... Uh, th- uh, Willem Dafoe is a bad guy, mm-hmm. and he he you have at least two sequences where he strips strips his clothes off and then uh, puts leeches all over his body. 
And I think it's explained that he's poisoned with something, and so the leeches relieve the pain. The party. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think I watched Speed 2 before watching Speed 1. I God saw it bless. when it, well, it came out in theaters, and I think that's what made me want to watch Speed 1, just to see how it all started. Um, I did forget to mention, I know I'd tease this in the first portion, but uh, two-time Academy Award winner Speed one for best sound editing and best sound mixing. It lost out to best film editing, which that year was won by Forrest Gump. Which, yeah, that movie was really ahead of its time with like special effects and shit like that. Um, and this whole sidebar, man. The Contrarians, my goal in 2019 is to figure out some project for us to tackle 1994, because my God, what a year in film. We were joking. It would be The Contrarians presents 1994. But like in parts. <laughs> like we'll do January through April. It would be that, uh, you know, like those VH1 miniseries. Yes. It would be just like that. But we're like instead of like what we're doing right now, we'd just we'd take turns like with scripted narration. <laughs> and then... Like a paper bag caught in an updraft came the Shawshank Redemption. Um, okay, so speed. 93% is ridiculous. Uh, I like the movie. Yes. It, it, I'm just going to go. I'm going to start where we probably would have gotten anyway. Proves how and where the Rotten Tomato system is flawed because this is just a really, really stupid, dumb action movie that is awesome. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's great. But it happened that just a lot of people liked it at that time. Whereas there's been other action movies that we've covered on here that have been as good as this that have been rotten or in the middle somewhere. Would you agree? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the perfect storm. It's always the perfect storm when a movie's a hit. Mm-hmm. And and that storm, one of the elements is the critical reception, right? You caught the critics on a good day and you got enough red tomatoes to put you on the fresh camp. Yeah. Um, Not just that, but the high, the high ground. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, not just fresh, but they're at the certified the, the B fresh. and B. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I get the feeling that you like this movie more than I do. Um, I, I, I think based on our body language during it, I think that's fair. I mean, I enjoyed it. This is my second time watching it. That's I think the stark contrast. I grew up with this movie. This is a movie that was on TV quite a bit when I was a kid, and it was one that I remember watching. Like I told you, though, I know the the cut for TV version a lot better, so I could quote the. Uh, surplanted you know faux curse words instead so when uh when cameron from first bueller translates uh what is it fuck me or fuck you as oh darn what is he doing in the in the tv version if what- i remember correctly he's just like uh, like he doesn't actually <laughs> say anything or shoot or something like that and then, yeah cameron oh darn yeah i think i have a bigger soft spot for absurd action movies like this than you do and i think that's just like well it's not that i preference it's not that i don't enjoy it because i enjoyed it a lot yeah but but i'll take a smart action movie <laughs> over this yeah i'll take I, i'll take die hard over speed well i think that's what we've come to also and you know as i always do go back to the a team uh my love of that i think it was similar I think you thought it was good, but didn't like it, it as much as me. Right. It yeah. got a little contrived towards the end. Yeah. And with this, it's um, it's a perfect – it's a sum of its parts, especially considering it came out in 1994. So Keanu is still – it took him a while. I, I've never been able to tell if it took him a while to become like a really 
solid hand or if people just insisted on using him as Keanu for so long. Right. Uh, well, okay, so we just did Johnny Mnemonic very recently. Which that movie, my God, insisted on him being Keanu way more than this. But it's it's terrible. His performance there is it's almost incompetent. Yeah. And here, he does exactly what he's required to do. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I guess... And for linear uh, timetable's sake, Mnemonic was a year after this. Right. Yeah. So... What? He went backwards. Right. Did he regress? <laughs> or is it that speed is what happens when you tailor your movie to your star? I don't know. Was he cast before the, you know, was he, was he, does it start as a Keanu Reeves vehicle or did it start as this movie, this action movie with a really high concept that needed the star and they put Keanu Reeves there? But, or did they adapt on the fly type of thing? Right. The movie never asks him to do anything that would be out of his normal range nor does it squander him like johnny mnemonic did right it just it it knows exactly what his strengths are and it places that he's he's a cool guy he can deliver a quip but he's not too quippy Mm -hmm. right his his charm comes from being laconic and then i think really to me the hidden weapon what makes speed work is Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah, I'm talking like this is me dropping a bomb but (laughs) what yeah uh she makes Keanu Reeves' character pop because mm-hmm. she is so different from him and they actually have chemistry. The The flirtation that goes on throughout, ridiculous as it is, it works. I, I couldn't help myself but just... Did they just make one more movie or two movies together? The Lake House and... I'll look this up while you continue your point. It's a shame that Keanu Reeves was not in Ocean's 8. <laughs> that would have been great. She is so. I think that she is part of why he works in in this movie so well. He, nothing against Dynamire, but what what Sandra Bullock and Ken Reeves have in Speed, Dynamire and Ken Reeves do not have in Johnny Mnemonic. That's yeah. just like one more thing that that is working against that movie. But here he's he's good. He's good with the stunts. He's he's just a solid all American hero, and. And that's fine. I mean, I can roll with that. I don't think that there's much conflict. He looks believable in the role. Yeah. Yeah. But there's not a lot of inner turmoil going there, going on there. The person, the character with the most depth is probably Jeff Daniels, yeah. who seems resentful at the fact that he he had to be crippled, you know, in order for them to get their medals. <laughs> and I wasn't kidding. I mean, Jeff Daniels, uh, just based on my childhood and how many times I've seen it, I'm always just going to see Dumb and Dumber with him. Same thing with Jim Carrey. And both of them are very talented actors. And um, I know Jeff Daniels is really talented. But again, in this, it just kind of seemed like he was an afterthought. Not by his own volition, but just kind of by the movie. The, the movie doesn't could, give that, anything to that do. That could have been played by anybody. Yeah, the beginning is good. I, I really like his scene when... Uh, him and Keanu have really surprising chemistry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I would have loved the movie that was just the two of them. Yeah. Doing stuff like Showtime with De Niro and uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh my God, I watched a piece of shit in theaters. <laughs> um, they, but also to what I was saying, really, that scene where he's drunk and he's talking to Keanu and telling him, You got lucky, and at some point, your luck's gonna run out, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. He's he is good, that's the biggest piece of acting. Uh, and he's not even having fun, mm-hmm. right? Because Hopper, he gets to showboat and he gets to be the crazy funny bad guy but i think i think daniels is carrying most of the way there and and then you know Sandra bullock rounding out the the four she's just she's just charming effortless 
Yeah. Effortless. She gets there, she smiles, and then you're on her side. She's so fucking cute. And yeah, I think that's probably some of, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I have a really hard time accepting that she won an Oscar for The Blind Side just because I dislike that movie so much. And that could be part of the reason I get so agitated with it because she is so, uh, you watch stuff like this, especially like her whole 90s run. She's so cute and like relatable and just her little intricacies. Like you watch it, you're like, God, I want to date that girl, like that type of thing. That That's what she kind of reeks of. And especially in movies like this. And yeah, I can't really think. I'm trying to think, rack my brain for Keanu movies where he had viable chemistry with a female counterpart. If The Matrix was not as awesome in every other aspect as it is, his thing with Trinity probably wouldn't work. With yeah. Carrie, and Carrie Ann Moss is a great actress, mm-hmm. but they were not setting the world on fire. No. And I think that there's so many problems with the sequels, but I, I think one of, them, <laughs> one of them is that they just... They, they really anchor uh, a lot of their story and a lot of the emotional impact on, on their relationship. And it was like, we don't care that much. Yeah, and they, for all my half-jesting, half-sincere defense of revolutions, they don't earn that scene where Trinity dies. No. It, it's, but they've beaten that to the ground by yeah. then. It's no. uh, but, but see, we should do one of those as our next commentary. Commentary. Oh yeah, yeah. Commentary. Commentary. That's what we should call him, the commentary. Um, we should do revolution since you love it so much. I, that spawned from a place of me watching it once, saying, <laughs> "Hey, this isn't that bad," and that became he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't want to. At the same time, I don't want to sound like we are. Uh, I guess diminishing Sandra Bullock's talent no it's just that if anything it's it just sounds like a behind compliment but really i think that you need to be extremely talented and charismatic to make a character like this as written be so likable and to get the audience on your side so well because a less talented actress or just a less charismatic actress would have failed at at making her memorable the annie character is written to be forgettable right she she has nothing going on Okay, so she doesn't have her license. That's probably the most like the one thing that sticks out. She went to college. She likes coffee. <laughs> yeah. Done. She's a wildcat. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I mean, if you want to see Sandra Bullock like really flex her acting with a capital A uh, bone that you know uh, or muscle rather it, it, gravity or blind side if that's your thing, but here it shows why she is as good as she is. Also, because she was like for all intents and purposes a fucking rookie here, but. Takes this thing that on paper shouldn't be memorable and makes it one of the more memorable parts of the movie. Right. And then, okay, so then you can do the same case for Keanu Reeves. Yes. Because he's not, in that sense, he's not flexing the acting muscles. He's just working with the Keanu persona. And that's great. Yeah. They don't, the movie doesn't need, the movie needs uh, um, Jack, uh, Jack Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Jeff, <laughs> the movie needs Jack Daniels too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeff Daniels to go a little deeper and then. Hopper, obviously, because he's the bad guy, he needs to just go a little more eccentric. But, you know, putting Daniels and Hopper, uh, putting Daniels in the Hopper, uh, putting all that aside, that's, um, there's a lineage to that. There's like a history to the action movie where the lead is typecast, but then the, the female side is like really empowering, you know, True Lies, mm-hmm. uh, Terminator. I was going to say Halloween, but I don't want to seem like I'm on this massive Jamie Lee Curtis (laughs) kick right now. But you know what I mean? There are like these female characters in these action, these male driven action movies that end up stealing the show in the end. But 
sidebar looping back around jeff daniels pulls a lot of that cop drama together and really surprising because i can't think he does that what's that show you really like that he's on neostorm yes but that he's not like a, a an authoritative cop figure in that or anything like that no he's more like an asshole yeah so again for me every time i watch this it feels kind of he doesn't feel out of place it just seems out of place to see jeff daniels as like a cop like it's kind of different i i buy it because i guess i think that i've seen him in so many different roles that i i can buy him as most things like a chameleon I, think I have a harder time buying him as harry and dumb and dumber because i didn't watch dumb and dumber until much much later ah so to me that's just that, that's then i guess that's my affliction because <laughs> that was like my my first thing with him so to the bad guy we haven't talked about yet dennis hopper I mean, to say he's a polished actor would be an insult and an understatement. He genuinely seems like he's having fun in this. Yes. And, and I think if we gave an MVP performance, it would probably go to Sandra Bullock, but I, I would do with close consideration to uh, Dennis Hopper because he's been all over the place in terms of his acting, in terms of what he's played here and there. I mean, for Christ's sakes, f- seven years before this, he was uh, Franklin's uncle in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So he's seen it all. And here he seemed like he was having a good time. Yeah. I kind of feel like he had to make himself have a good time because so much of that has to have been just him on set by himself. Unless Keanu was being kind enough to come over and, and just do his side of the conversation. That's true because the, the first scene is the only scene where he really can play off anybody. Until right. The end. And then at the very end where yeah. he just has like a, a fist fight, but he has, the easy, not the easier role, but the, the more meaty role because he's the bad, the quirky bad guy. So of course, if you're a good actor, that that's just a playground. And of course, Patrick you're Wilson have in the eighteen, exactly. Yes, uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant in Live Free or Die Hard. Chef's kiss. <laughs> we we need a female uh, example. Charlie Theron in uh, Reindeer Games. No, say <laughs> 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 so it's Snow White on the Huntsman. Is she having fun in that? I mean, behind the cold eyes. Uh, Demi Moore in fucking Charlie's Angels 2. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the first one. Let's continue. I'll think of one. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that I don't think anybody was surprised by that, though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what happened. What was it when... Uh, how it was when Speed came out. But I don't think anybody went like, man, I did not know that... The, Dennis Hopper had it in him to do this, right? It's not like like Hopkins and, and Silence of the Lambs, yeah. where everybody seems shocked that this British dude could be that creepy. But with Hopper, especially when we were in Contrarian's Corner and you bring up uh, Blue Velvet, yeah, we knew he was fucked up. No shit. <laughs> we knew that he could he could get down. I remember I was young and the scene where he's on the gas mask and he's like pushing that dress inside that girl. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? It was a bit young to handle those types of things. And I will go back a few steps. Charlie Theron is having fun in Reindeer Games. I mean, we all are. But <laughs> God bless, yeah. <laughs> um, you know who's having the most fun? John Frankenheimer. <laughs> dance. My puppets dance. <laughs> You're right. There's really no one in this that delivers like a blow away. I didn't know you were, in, you were capable of that type of thing. And, you know, um, Hannibal Lecter is a wonderful analogy. You know, we always, I think Christian Bale's become the new one of those. He always does these things. Like, oh, I didn't know he could do this. And um, But all that being said, it all works and creates this really fun 
I don't want to say Seminoles 90 movie, but it's definitely one of the top, you know, 90s action movies that people think of. It does, however, like I said, uh, points out the mission statement of this podcast and the inherent flaw with Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't even mean that in comedic sense. You were exactly right when you said, if you catch the critics on the right day. Well, yeah, here's, it's not even that. It's just, I mean, it's that, but it's also that, and you've said it before, this 93% is not the same 93% of, I know we, we don't like it, but of American Hustle, mm-hmm. right? It's a different kind of 93%. It's, uh, this 93% because people thought that it was funny. And, and I didn't read like a bunch of quotes that were just basically saying, yes, I liked it, but it's airheaded. I like it, but it, there's nothing to it, you know? Yeah, they're trying it, to make it seem like it's this, groundbreaking achievement or something like that right 93 yeah. percent Rotten tomatoes doesn't necessarily mean that this movie will change your life it could just mean that oh, a lot of people liked it i i always blank when we try to cite movies that we've done uh-huh. and so i have to go to like go back and see what we've done but yeah this is not 93 percent in the way what i'm looking at right now in the way donnie brasco <laughs> is like in the 90s on rotten tomatoes right. or something like yeah. that so that obviously points out the inherent flaw uh what else have we done? Oh, God, yeah. The kids are all right. <laughs> in which I think is lower than this. It's like in the 80s or something like that. But... It's like right at 90. Yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, uh, what's the director's name? Shit. Jan. Jan Jabon. Jan Jabon, yeah. He did not set out to do you know what the kids are all right meant to do so it, it points out i'm gonna redefine gender politics with this relationship with the girl driving the bus and the cop trying to and keep mark them alive. ruffalo just fucking railing her the whole time <laughs> so that's always an interesting thing to kind of grapple with but for me personally i fucking love it big thing i forgot was how fucking epic the score is that was one of the big things for me and also how clearly influenced the score for the original Metal Gear Solid was for this. I know you're not much of a Metal Gear guy, Julio, but uh, anyone that's listening that's ever played Metal Gear, I've never read any interviews with Hideo Kojima that you know it was directly influenced by this, but clearly the music during the action sequences, there were definite influence ta- influences taken from this to Metal Gear, but here nor there. Biggest thing I forgot about this movie was the score and how uh, fitting and really epic it is. I haven't seen it only once. I was surprised by how much I remembered. There's not too much to it. Well, yeah, but you, you know, every ridiculous thing that happened, I remembered. I remember the jump. I remember the them looping the video. I remember Jeff Daniels dying, and I also remember. And I was going to ask you, how do you feel about the extended cold open and the extended, you know, not necessarily an epilogue, but basically, I kind of feel like once you're out of the bus. You're you need to start wrapping things up because the movie that the poster that the ads that the high concept sells you is this is happening in a bus, right? And the movie takes a sweet time getting to the bus, which I don't necessarily dislike, but I I remember thinking that that wow, you're taking a long time to establish what's gonna happen, and then once the movie gets everybody out of the bus, you're expecting things to go down really quickly, and instead there's like a whole thing of. Hopper taking Sandra Bullock hostage and the whole final sequence. All that stuff that apparently you were saying that was storyboarded, that wasn't even shot. Uh, I imagine it would have been very tempting to just end it a lot sooner if you don't want to do that last final sequence. Would it have made for a better movie? I don't know. I don't feel like it runs out of gas, but, but I feel like the movie betrays me a little bit when, when not, when the majority of it, or when, 
more of it is not taking place in the bus. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I know I mentioned we were watching it. I, it's been years and years since I've seen it. In my brain, all I really remembered, it, and I could remember like almost you know, shot to shot, the bus. I forgot about the elevator opening and then the ending. So in, in your mind, the opening credits happen as Sandra Bullock is running to try to catch the bus. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> da, da, wait! Um, it's a long run. Yeah, so that was what I remembered is the bus. And then you're right. Taking your time to get there is one thing, but then not wrapping it up right after. I'll try. I hope I can find the audio clip for it. But uh, Simpsons episode that aired right around this time was Homer telling his coworkers. So I went and saw this movie about this bus that had to keep its speed above 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> uh the end, though, I, I'm glad upon rewatch because that, to me, is when Dennis Hopper seems to have his most fun when he has Sandra and Keanu to play off of. And I do love that line. Poor people are crazy. I'm just eccentric. <laughs> but to your point, the beginning paints like it sets the scene. It sets the 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 battlefield, as it were, uh, so to speak. And when that's finished, it seems like they know, generally speaking, where hopper is so it should have been easier than it was and then like there's no reason to bring another mass transit vehicle into it <laughs> you already had the bus like i would have preferred that he just come on the street and you know what would have been actually really good bring if it. he if he had to shoot sandra bullock in order to rescue her I took the words out of my fucking mouth i that's what seemed to make sense and i actually thought as we were watching it this time that i'd forgotten because i was like that's, that doesn't happen but that's what seems like it should happen he should have just walked up behind her and took and taken her hostage taken um, taken her like hostage right, and, right, like, right, yeah, right. and yeah you don't have to do the the big sequence you just have him grab her and then it's just a mirror scene of the beginning and, but also because because it almost becomes self-parody at the end when they get on the subway right yeah it's it, you're not gonna top the stunts that you've done in the bus mm -hmm. so the whole thing with the with the pole it's just kind of like eh. i guess you could say the peak is when hopper gets decapitated yeah <laughs> then that should be it but also i just realized as we were talking about it that you don't really have a payoff to to jeff daniels's ominous warning when he's drunk and he's telling keanu that you know they could have died Keanu Reeves never has to face the consequences of him not being lucky. The entire movie is him being lucky. Mm -hmm. And you would think that if they're going to have Jeff Daniels tell him, hey, you can't keep doing this. At some point, you have to be more cautious. You can't be the crazy guy that shoots somebody in the leg to like save them. Uh, he never has to do that. He, the entire movie is him doing like outrageous stunts and pulling them off. The post credit scene is him visiting Jeff Daniels' gravesite and he gets struck by lightning and dies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he just goes over. Sorry, how do you like them apples? <laughs> he just gets a boombox and plays Toby's Keats. How do you like me now? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. They they set the groundwork in several parts for things that don't pay off, but such was the narrative of most '90s action movies. Yeah, and you could argue it doesn't matter because you still have a blast. Yeah, you're just happy when when they win, when Hopper dies. You just want them to live happily ever after. I wonder. Well, you say you never watched the second one. So, uh, were you bummed when you heard that Keanu wasn't going to be in the second yeah, one? Yeah, that's why I never saw it. Uh, you protested it. Yeah, I said, "Fuck that! 
I don't want David from the Lost Boys. Did you start an online petition to uh, for people to uh, reshoot Speed Two with Keanu Reeves? Speed Two is fucking uh, ninety seven. I went door to door to fucking campaign <laughs> that shit. Now, John Devont, how many movies in his filmography have you watched? I mean, there aren't that many, so yeah, he's made f- f- five movies. Have I seen The Haunting? I haven't. I've seen Tomb Raider. I've seen Twister. The Haunting. Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Owen Wilson. I know that movie. I haven't seen it, but yeah. And Lily Taylor. Haunted House. What the fuck? No, I've not seen that. Twister Twister is what it is. I I guess that was really my question. How do you feel about Twister? uh, Twister exists for me and my friends to mimic or uh, mock Twister. And uh, do different impressions of Bill Paxton that are all really bad. That was like in college. That was a huge thing with me and my group of friends was doing. We would like say things as Bill Paxton's character in Twister. And also the Twister attraction at Universal Studios where uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt give you the video introduction. Bill Paxton comes up and says, what you're about to see is an F5. They call it the finger of God. It's fucking awesome. Isn't that right, Helen Hunt? Uh, but Twister is... It's Cloverfield. It was awesome. Once. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. I think that Speed is probably the best thing that he's done as a director. Yeah, based on what I'm reading here, because those uh, Tomb Raider movies and Angelina Jolie didn't exactly light the world on fire. Yeah, and Speed 2... I think I was telling you earlier, it's not a horrible movie from what I remember. It's competently made, but it's not. it doesn't have that spark uh, that the first speed has. I'm more fascinated with the fact that he was a producer on uh, Minority Report, which just looking at his filmography and what his name's attached to, I can tell you quite comfortably that Minority Report's the best thing his name's attached to. Okay, I meant as a director. Okay, yeah, Speed. Speed, Twister, Speed 2, The Haunting, and uh, Tomb Raider. I don't need to see The Haunting to let you know that Speed, he he peaked easy and he peaked quick. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Twister, but it's just like there's nothing wrong with Cloverfield, but it's not a movie that has rewatchability. See, I haven't seen – I like Cloverfield a lot when I watched it, so I don't know. I've never gone back to it. But I remember Twister does something that Speed doesn't really do. What's that? Which is, it tries to give depth to its protagonist. Because isn't the whole thing about Helen Hunt in that movie that she's dealing with the trauma of losing her parents she's to chasing, a, to yeah. yeah. And yet, that didn't make it a better movie. <laughs> no. But is it just because Helen Hunt and Bill Bill Paxton are not Keanu Reeves and, uh, and Sandra Bullock? Or is it that Jean <laughs> de Bond has trouble directing uh, stuff? What that, a measuring stick. <laughs> well, you know. It's, it's a, hilarious because it's true. It, you know their chemistry was not as good. Are they better than Cinder Bullock and Keanu Reeves in Speed? Is gonna be our new? Is it worse than Christmas with the Cranks? The barometer of uh, <laughs> on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He, he seems like a guy that got in and got out pretty quick. He his filmography, as far as what his name is on, is all within a ten-year span. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that movie though. It's fun. It, it really does. When we do these movies though, and you know, especially when we record these episodes, as we get in these um, periods, sometimes we record a bunch in a short period of time. I mean, the summer of Travolta obviously was a big one, but um, 
and then you try to view all these movies through the same lenses and it really shows the whole thing about what we set out to say it's like you can't these aren't all painted with the same brushes man yeah so uh fun movie for what it is a plus a plus holy cow for a fun action movie hell yeah i'll give it i i should give it four stars i i have to be honest and i know that part of the reason i had such a good time this time tonight was because on top of just watching the movie and experiencing the movie i was picking it apart and it was so much fun to pick it apart right normally i wouldn't be picking it apart if i was just sitting there to watch it yeah but there's that extra layer of of just enjoyment if you're calling out every ridiculous thing that happens oh yeah like we were saying, there's really no reason why she's with him still. After she's just waiting for him, like she's waiting for him to get off work. She's like a fucking stray dog. <laughs> hey, you want to come with me? All right. So moving along to plugs here, as always, we have the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. Our opening track, Last Stand, closing track, Summer of '99. Uh, their album, Don't Let Me Use You. Uh, they're available on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, Think one of these days we'll move along to getting some new music from them. I know they have some the, some recent release. Twenty nineteen. That's when when I just get my shit together. We'll move along. Start. I mean, don't fix what's not broken, but you know we want to give them just fair like a, play. A, like a little spice. Maybe we have like a different song for the bonus episodes. Yeah, just, I'd like that for funsies. Uh, my plug for this week again. We, uh, my family and I, worked through a lot of our Christmas rotation, uh, different movies and whatnot. Got the Family Stone in. I did get to watch the Mask of the Phantasm Christmas Day, which I was very thankful for. Bad Santa. Uh, I'm trying to think of Fred Claus, right? You told Fred me that Claus, you added yeah. it to the rotation. My parents, uh, my dad specifically, wanted to watch that after hearing us talk about it. Um, my one plug that something I watched on Christmas Eve that I hadn't seen up until now. My sister wanted to watch it with the family. Uh, Coco. Have you seen Coco? Oh yeah, I watched it. Uh, you know, we had the the Oscars party earlier this year at my place, and I was trying to cram as many Oscars movies as possible. I watched Coco. I was done. I think thirty minutes before the Oscars started. What a fucking movie! <laughs> I was getting ready for you to say like, "What a piece of shit." N- no, that uh, I haven't had an emotional reaction to a movie like that in quite some time. When did it get you? When he sings at the end? When he sings with the grandma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's brutal. Yeah, it, it's in all the right ways. It's really good, uh, it bru- brutal in all the right ways. I should say, um, you know, Pixar is one of those things of they'll make their sequels. You know, like fuck, they're not as good as they used to be, <laughs> and then they'll make like you know Wally or something like this, and it's yeah. just like God damn, dude, it's like, they know what's up. Yeah. And it's one of those movies, too. I went on Rotten Tomatoes and I was 97% and I wanted to fight the 3%. <laughs> wanted to find them and fucking fight them. Well, so, you know, they voted for Trump. It, it, no shit. It's like, this is why you need to build a, a wall. You need this creepy... Sadly, that's one of the first things I thought after it was over. I was like, God, I can't imagine how many sick fucking just evil people told their kids this was, oh, don't, don't pay attention to that. Yeah, that being said, I know I'm probably one of the last people to see that movie. But Coco, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's incredible. It's breathtaking. And visually, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's just astounding. Um, did you – well, see, now uh, I would say look up the clip from the Oscars when um, Gael Garcia Bernal came out to sing the song. Because mm-hmm. we had two different reactions. We were at the party, and Eddie thought it was hilarious, and I thought it was really touching. Because he doesn't – he's not putting on a performance in the sense of like, wow, he sings really well. But I think that he sings it very emotionally. 
And uh, so I think that the way he sings it is very true to the movie, not necessarily to like, oh, somebody like singing at a concert or something. So Eddie always makes fun of it. I always think that it was actually pretty cool. He came out and he sings and he looks kind of shy when he's singing the song. It's it's really cool. Nice. Um, uh, Before I forget, our logo, because you gave a shout out to the Festive Years and I always uh, give a shout out to Hans Roth Gieser did our logo. He has a, a podcast called Nation Combi. So he podcasts and he does logos. Uh, if you're interested in one or the other, you can contact him. Uh, his Twitter is at Mildemonios, that's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. And he can be emailed at Mildemonios at Hotmail.com. Um, his podcast is in Spanish, so practice your Spanish. Listen to some Peruvian stuff. Um, and uh, he, I guess he listened to our reaction to his comments about the original fly. And he said that if we ever do that episode, that he'll send us a clip, he'll contribute somehow. Excellent. With, with the, he'll be a contrarian to the contrarians. <laughs> I guess. Uh, we also got some, uh, some funny feedback uh, from the spit and polish guys who uh, listened to our, our uh, Johnny mnemonic episode and they liked it. And they wanted to say that, uh, well, one of them got to meet Henry Rollins Nice. In person. And uh, they asked him about the movie, about Johnny Mnemonic. And apparently all he had to say was that working with Dolph, Dolph Lundgren, was terrible because Dolph was incredibly rude and grumpy. (laughs) Aren't you just crushed to learn that? Because he seems to be having so much fun. He does. Like Dennis Hopper in Speed. He just seems to be having a grand old time. That's why Rollins no-sold the one hand. (laughs) He's like, fuck you. I'm only going to sell 50% of your shit, brother. (laughs) Uh, they recommended if you want to see some stellar acting from Henry Rollins, check out He Never Died from 2015. Are you even familiar with that movie? I am not. All right. Well, hopefully it's either rotten or fresh and we can maybe even do it. I do love me some Henry Rollins, so I'll, I'll look into it. Henry Rollins uh, compilation. <laughs> By the contrarians. <laughs> By the contrarians. My one plug, I am slowly but surely making my way through the filmography of uh, Nicole Hall of Center, the uh, writer-director that wrote and directed an offset. Okay. Uh, she she had a new movie. I think I plugged it here um, on Netflix this year, uh, and she also wrote the new Melissa McCarthy movie, which is actually really good. It's not the usual Melissa McCarthy vehicle. It's actually really good. Uh, so Netflix one is a lot of steady habits. The Melissa McCarthy movie is uh, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? So she just wrote that one, then directed, and then the most recent one. I also I watched Please Give. Uh, well, it was on Amazon Prime, I think. Really good. And I rented on iTunes um, Friends with Money, which has Catherine Keener, which I think is in most of her movies. Uh, maybe all of them except the new one. And uh, Jennifer Aniston, Joan Cusack. Who's the last one? Francis McDormand. Is it an older movie? Yeah, it's like 2006, I think. I mean, not super old, but okay. it's it's just like a fun movie like her movies enough said which is the one you've seen is the one that's the most plot driven where there's yeah. like an actual story with with a plot engine you know oh she's lying to him and now how she keeps getting herself tangled and retangled into these lies uh, her other movies there's a lot of just people with really flawed people having conversations and just kind of interacting but you don't really know where anything is going because there's not a big event that's that's pushing the story forward mm-hmm. and uh, so here is just this group of friends, they're all married. Some of them have kids. Uh, Jennifer Anderson is the only one that doesn't have a husband or a kid or, or a profession. She's the only one that's broke. Everybody else has money. <laughs> and uh, But they're all unhappy in one way or another. And basically the movie is just how they deal with their unhappiness and whether they come out the other side or not. 
but it's just such a delight to see them. The writing is so good and the performances are so good that you just kind of let the movie happen to you. <laughs> you let and, it wash over you. Yeah, and and that's been my experience with like all her other movies that I've seen. So I, I know it's not it's not a fluke or it's not like this one movie. It's just every movie she's that of hers that I've watched, I just kind of feel the same way. I don't know exactly where the story is going, but I'm just happy that I'm spending time with these characters and they're funny and they're sad and they're sometimes they're cringy. It's it's just really good. So that one I had to get off iTunes because I I couldn't find it anywhere else. But Land of Steady Habits is in, uh, like I said, it's on Netflix. Please give it to Amazon Prime. And, uh, you know, you should just buy enough set because it's great. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Do you own it? Oh, yeah. Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I own it, too. Yeah. That's... Excellent. All right. So that concludes episode 75. Have we determined episode 76? Um, okay. So, yeah, I meant to I talk to you about that before we start recording, but we'll just do it here as we record. Mm -hmm. So it's a rotten one, and it starts our award season. So it needs to be a, a golden raspberry. It needs to be a, a Razzie. Okay. Uh, either winner or nominee. Mm -hmm. And I know we were texting about it, and, and Jilly was one of the names that was floating around, and you said, my God, has it come to this? <laughs> <laughs> Which, to me, was a good sign, I think. <laughs> Should we kick off the award season with Jilly? With Jilly? Yeah. yeah I mean... Uh, I'm it's not turkey saying, time. Yeah. Oh, have you seen it? I know that scene. I know that scene too. Yeah. I've never seen it. Pacino is in it briefly. God bless him. Um, He'll be gracing the podcast once again. So let's just commit to it then. Okay. So Jilly. Episode for... 76 will be Jilly. Okay. And then you said it. So I put it on the website. I can always take it down. You said Shakespeare in Love should yes. be. Okay. So Shakespeare in Love will be 77. I can't hold it back long enough to just fucking shit on that movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So 76 will be G. Lee, 77, Shakespeare in Love. So uh, come the 15th of January, we'll be starting our award season arc uh, with alternating best and worst pictures. But that concludes Speed. That concludes episode number 75. Uh, we wish you all a happy new year, and we thank you for joining in for the first time or again uh, throughout the years with us here on The Contrarians, where we will continue to be right, you will continue to be wrong. But above all else, we will catch you next time. Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation. Are they better than Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in Speed? They got shit on him, man. <laughs> Ain't shit.